0: some time alone. I hope you enjoy this episode of Equipped to Be. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Equip to Be. I'm your host, Connie Albers. It's another week, another Wednesday morning. Glad you've joined the podcast today. I hope you've been enjoying our previous episodes where we had Dora Swift and we've had Raymond Aroro and Michael Ferris. And, you know, last week we talked about retreating and what that means you know, we've really been diving into some personal matters, like how to ease back into school with rhythms and routines and why they are important and how you can limit the stress and anxiety off of you and your children. And so today I have a sweet friend. Tina Yeager, who's going to be a guest on the program. And I'm so excited about our conversation today. We're kind of like in the same circles, but we haven't been able to spend a whole lot of time together, something that I hope to change in the near future. But you know, she is a mental health professional. She's been a mental health professional since 2005, does a lot of life coaching. She's a speaker, a podcast host herself. And I am just delighted at what our conversation and how God is going to use it today to bless your family. So thank you for tuning in to Equipped to Be. Well, as I told you, Tina Yeager is going to be on the podcast today. Tina, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Connie. I'm delighted to talk to you about these topics that
1: are so relevant to families right now.
0: Whew, families, it's hard right now, isn't it?
1: Yes, between the financial stress of the economy downturn and the emotional stress of what kids are facing today, so much tension, so much anxiety and depression is rising among the young population. It is something we've never seen before in trends.
0: Mm. Okay, so I want to dive into those because they're absolutely what we're all dealing with. And it really doesn't matter what the ages of your children, the ages or the stages. So, Tina, I would love for you to tell our guests, our listeners, a little bit more about you. Like, I know your greatest passion is a wife and a mom. Tell us about your spouse, whatever you want to share that helps our audience get to know you a little bit better. Well, I like to see myself
1: as a servant of Jesus, but first and foremost, if all of the other things fall away. If none of the other things ever happen again, that's who I need to be, and that's how I need to show up. I have been a mom. I have two grown boys, and I am married, and I have a wonderful husband. I also am an author and a speaker and a podcast and radio show host and all of those things as well. But first and foremost, I think we all need to look at who we are before
0: Christ as that is our identity instead of looking at all of the things we are doing i love that you put the emphasis on the things that are most important and that is your relationship with the lord that's where your identity is found and the fact that your family is apart from the lord your greatest priority and i love that so are your kids just curious are they grown are they out of the house are they still home are they around and they show up for dinner every so often
1: No, they actually live in different states. One is a couple of states away, and the other one is on the other side of the country in Seattle. I'm in the North Carolina Charlotte area. My oldest is in Georgia near Atlanta, and my youngest is way out in Seattle, which is really too far away, but he loves it there. He's
0: a rocket scientist, so he's got his dream job. Oh, my goodness. That's so funny. My daughter-in-law is from the Washington, Seattle area, and you're right. I live all the way in Orlando, Florida, and it's about as far away as it can be for her, especially when she wants to go see her family. But let's just talk about those topics in our time together. You know, school's starting back up for millions and millions of families, whether your children are in the private school, public school, or homeschooling. There's still adjustment. Summertime is coming to an, a close, and we're having to transition back in, which strikes fear, I don't know if you kind of see that too, but kids get afraid, new rhythms, new routines, (laughs) new information that they don't know that they're going to have to know, classes, kids that they're going to have to interact with, some that they may like, some they may not, the bully situation. So... It is striking a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, and you kind of touched on that. It's at an all-time high. So let's kind of unpack that a little bit. You mentioned inflation and economy and things like that, but from what you're seeing, because you do radio shows, you have your podcast, and you write and you speak, what are you seeing, and how can we help parents? I think no matter what the
1: distraction is, we're being distracted systematically from connecting with one another. We are distracted as families and parents with the stress and pressure of finances and how we're gonna pay our bills. So our priority goes toward the urgent. And with kids, they're distracted with screens and they have become more focused on screens over the last three or four years when we were shut down and they could only see their schoolwork and one another through screens. It became even more of a problem than it was before. And it was becoming a problem before we were shut down and forced to do everything through screens. But that's a dehumanizing, disconnecting kind of socialization. It does not connect our hearts to each other the same way that we connect when we're in person with one another. Kids are missing developmental pieces that are very important, and they're missing some emotional things that are also critical to their well-being. Therefore, they're experiencing more anxiety and more depression. And when it comes to socialization you're seeing some very violent behavior and even when it's not physically violent it can be verbally and emotionally very devastating and destructive behavior toward one another because they have so dehumanized the social interactions and therefore that increases the anxiety when kids go back to school they know they're going to face kids who are not kind who don't
0: have the kind of empathy they should. Okay, that's a lot. And I want to touch on that. Parents, we don't always realize the animosity and the anxiety our kids feel going into something, especially if you have more of an introverted child who's not going to express or they're afraid to express something because maybe you'll, oh, that's not going to happen or don't be silly. You know, we kind of marginalize some of their feelings sometimes. But, you know, you said that we are distracted and disconnected. And it's interesting, Richard Platt. In relational soul wrote, we are designed for and defined by relationships. I mean, we are defined by relationships. We need community. And, uh, you know, parents get upset because their kids are on their devices all the time. And I'm like, that's a reflection of their need to feel connected to something, to feel like they belong, that they fit in somewhere. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Kids primarily are looking for acceptance and approval
1: and belonging. And they're looking for that in the wrong places when they're going to social media because they're getting likes and they're getting addicted to that instant response. But true acceptance and true approval has to come first from God and through genuine relationships, not the kinds that you get through the Thousands of friends that you might have on Instagram or TikTok.
0: So, when we talk about our kids, you know, there's two parts to this. They have to both be addressed. And that is a parent, you were talking about a parent has to deal with the urgent, like how am I going to buy the eggs that, you know, cost $15 now, depending on where you are? How am I going to pay the rising electric bill or any of the bills because my hours are getting cut or I'm not doing as well? Things just aren't going as far. So, it's not a guilt that parents are just trying to deal with the next thing. They're trying to keep all the plates spinning. Do you have any suggestions or tips on what parents can do personally when they are faced with all of this, but still keeping a watchful eye, keeping that relationship going and monitoring what's going on maybe in the heart of their kids? I think we need to be careful to protect
1: ourselves from the strategies of the enemy by prioritizing the important over the urgent and the urgent is going to be all of those busy things that keep us distracted from the things that are priorities in the kingdom of god The word tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto Mm, you. So if you put the important things first by scheduling, and you have to schedule it or it won't get done, scheduling five minutes, 10 minutes to really deeply connect with your kids by asking them open-ended questions and telling them the truths about how they are seen by you, how they are heard by you, and how they are dearly loved for who they are, not just what they do. Mm -hmm. Those are things that are very important to convey to your children in genuineness. And you have to schedule at least a few minutes every day, every week, maybe a little longer
0: to make sure you address that. And if you do that, it's not going to throw your whole day off. You know, when you do that, your children do feel like they're heard and seen. And so often when I'm doing a technology presentation, I talk about what we know about kids. They want to have a voice. Now more than ever, everything about their life has been disrupted and they're starting to speak up and speak out, which is good and bad, right? But one of the things that I often tell parents is, you know, find out like what's going on in those few minutes that our well-invested time for mom and dad gets to the why so that we know how to speak the words that they need to hear. You know, in Scripture, it talks about the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. I mean, they, we want our kids to want to hear what we have to say, to want to listen to us and not constantly turn to the peer group or the latest trend. And what you said is absolutely so critical. So I just want to like reemphasize what you said. You know, Put the important things, prioritize, make a schedule. If it's not on a schedule, it's typically not going to get done. Why? Because there's always something screaming loudly for your time and to protect yourselves. And that's kind of like a recap of what you said, correct? Or do you want to add more to that?
1: Well, I would say also you need to make time for connecting with God. He will direct your days. If you let him, you need to give him your appointment book and let him tell you, these are the things we're going to do today. And these are the things that are not as important. And he can direct your time. He is over time. Mm. He can slow down time. He can make time for you. You have to schedule certain things. But I would say you need to let the Holy Spirit be the manager of your time and your relationships with your kids. Have him prompt you to ask questions of your kids and to get them involved in things that you need help with. Ask them for help. That's a great way to spend time with your kids is to honor them by trusting their expertise in the things that you don't know how to do. Some of the things that may be really busy for you are things that they're really good at and you're not. Mm
0: That's so true. And we forget to ask, don't we? I mean, as mamas, we're trying to juggle so many things and you know, do it all, be it all, and have it all. And I love that. And yes, I completely agree with you. If we don't go to the source, we will quickly flame out, we'll burn out. We'll be trying to do it on our own accord. And that's always harder. And God is the architect of our children. I mean, God has a plan and a purpose. And if we consult Him, then he will lead us as we teach and train our children. So shifting gears over to the second part that you said with children, 2020 really caused a massive disruption, and no one knew exactly how to handle it because there were presented information and a situation that no one had ever faced before. And you said that they're missing developmental things. What type of developmental things are you seeing I believe they need to, depending on the child's age,
1: of course, because depending on what developmental stage they're in, some of that development is going to be centered on connecting with peers, especially for middle school students. That is their developmental stage is belonging. Where do I fit into society. So for them, this has been very difficult. But for younger children as well, children learn how to express and read emotions and how to empathize with others by seeing faces. And when we're not seeing faces for two years, mm-hmm. that's a very long time for kids to miss out on learning social cues, learning how to respond to other people's social cues. It's also a really long time to miss out on
0: understanding. How how to connect and relate and belong. So we know academically, a lot of children fell behind. But I think the important part that you just talked about with developmental and social, what can parents do? I'm sure you have like a really long list of recommendations and suggestions. And obviously it all starts with, asking the Lord to give you wisdom and insight and discernment into what's going on with your children. But what are some practical things as kids are going back to school that parents can do to help ease the anxiety and fear about potential bullying or just interacting with people they have not met, and yet they don't have those skills? Does that make sense?
1: It does. And I think the good news about childhood and development is that the brain is very plastic, And there's always an opportunity to heal and grow and renew those places that didn't get developed, but you have to attend to those. So that's the good news. It can be fixed. It can be repaired. <laughs> so bringing, bringing, <laughs> bringing kids together is the way to fix having had kids apart, obviously. That's the simple solution. Finding ways to invite kids to a church event together where they can come to youth group if they're teens, or maybe even having game night at your house or a cookie-making party or a Cupcake factory party or something really fun where you can gather kids so they can play. Relationships are based on play. And that's where those social skills develop. You can bring them over for study group. That's something that they need, but also incorporate something fun so they can connect in positive and affirming ways with one another and look at each other's faces in person.
0: You know, as you were saying that, I thought about my kids now that they're older, and you can probably relate when my kids look back at their childhood they don't remember the tedious things that we did they don't focus on elaborate parties or extravagant vacations they'll talk about the fails at the camping trip that we had or you know what happened when we went to the beach or when we were hiking in the mountains what you're talking about doesn't have to be expensive it can be simple little things right Absolutely. You could even do a scavenger hunt together.
1: It doesn't have to be something that costs you anything. It could just be something to gather together with board games. And if you don't have board games, they probably have lots of them at Goodwill.
0: (laughs) That's true. Yes. You know, parents have asked me over time the last few years, you know what were some positives? I love that you said, "Hey, there's hope. We can't be defeated and discouraged. God will redeem what the locusts have eaten. We can regain that." It is harder at certain ages, like you mentioned, middle schooler, but it's really funny because I said three things came out of 2020 that weren't bad, and that was that one, parents started paying more attention to their children because they were around more. They started playing more games and going outside and playing together because they were kind of locked down, And depending on where you lived, And they started to see what their children were learning, which meant they started to see gaps in their own child's education or how their child interacted with others. So, you know, even with the severe disruption that did come our way and the fallout from it, there are some great things that happened in our families that we need to keep reminding ourselves. Don't get back into the hurried pace that we were once in before. We saw each other maybe a bunch of times, or we texted, or we talked on the phone, but you know, we get so busy that we forget that was the good stuff. That was the stuff that our kids remember. And so when they've been disconnected they haven't developed these social cues. Maybe they can't read the room very well. I don't mean in a classroom. I just mean in general. They can't read motives or things that they normally would have been getting in a social setting. And we do know, obviously, the violent tendencies, the dehumanization that you mentioned. Bullying is a big concern for parents. So let's turn our attention to that, Tina. You work in the mental health field. You address a lot of these issues and so many more. We've just like scratched the surface of the talent God has given you and the knowledge. But what hope, what help practically can we give parents to equip their kids to either be aware that something might be coming or what the expectation is if something happens? What do you recommend to help parents help their children work through these initial phases of going back into the classroom or or starting school in general? I think it's important for kids to have some safety guidelines that they can follow to try to help
1: stay safer. First, they need to realize they have a voice. And if the first person that they tell doesn't listen, keep telling until someone does. So make sure your kids understand that when it comes to any kind of bullying or manipulation or someone trying to take advantage of your child. They need to know that they have a voice that their body matters, that their reputation and their name matters, and they should tell until someone pays attention. So the second thing they need to know is try to make sure that they go in groups or at least in pairs when they're moving from one place to another, and they could be targeted so that they're not caught alone. And that's not to make your kids afraid. Just kind of build it up with a strength-based Uh, scripture, you could say, you know, a threefold cord is not easily broken. So when you go, if you go as three, you are three stronger than you are when you're alone. So make sure that you get your buddies when you go and make it more fun to move from one place to another. And also be an advocate in your schools. Let the schools know if something happens, this is not okay. And keep advocating until someone listens. If the first person you talk to doesn't listen, go over their head. And keep going over their head until you make it, if it has to, into media. And that is where people will finally get attention if the people who were supposed to get attention in the first place don't pay attention.
0: And, you know, we do see that happening, don't we? It's parents, again, because they are more in tune with what's happening. They're more aware of what is being taught or what values or culture issues are are making the headlines parents are kind of speaking out, and there is a cost to that. But you're telling your children also that they matter, that this is important, that this is not okay, or we have to say something. So I love that. So you have the going in pairs, say something, parents be active and engaged. Any other tips or suggestions you have on that? Just remember that no other human being
1: has the right to define you. So no matter what anyone says, no matter what any group says, instill in your children a sense of Christ-centered esteem and worth. Make sure their identity is centered in that and not what other kids are saying. That's really hard, but it's very, very important. And you need to keep saying that because we need five positives for every negative in order to be well.
0: Mm, I like that. Okay, so that makes me think with your background— We do know our children, and when you said that can be hard, my first thought was children that are people-pleasers by nature. They are optimistic. They're very positive. They think the best of everybody just by nature, and they want everybody to like them. And then you have some kids, they're like, I don't really care they're in their own world or they're doing their own thing, the future you know, leaders, they have a different type of resiliency. Do you see that as well? I mean, like our conversation has to be tailored to the child that's before us, not the one we want them to be, but the actual person, the little human that God made them to be. I think you you
1: do to some degree, you're going to tailor it to your child, but every child needs to understand where their identity comes from because the world is going to have some kind of influence on shaping or shifting your sense of who you are, if you let it, and making sure that 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 driven child does not make their identity about what
0: they do instead of about who they are. Very good. That's a great way to summarize it. I feel like we've barely scratched the surface on, on what God has called you to do in this season of your life. But you've got a couple of books, Beautiful Warrior, Finding Victory Over the Lies Formed Against You, and Breaking the Change, Strategies for Overcoming Spiritual Bondage. So in the last few minutes that we have, can you just kind of give us a summary of why you wrote those specific books and where people can find them and what your ministry is with those books and and maybe in general? Well, Breaking the Chains is a compilation that I contributed to.
1: That's from Lighthouse Bible Studies. And i am also contributed to another one that's not listed there that's called Faith Pump, and that's Devotions. And then Beautiful Warrior was my first nonfiction release, and that is about overcoming shame lies for women and helping them develop a Christ-centered sense of identity and worth and purpose, helping us walk out our Our fulfillment and collaboration instead of competition, all of those things the enemy does to distort our sense of who we are can be overcome and we can be victorious and be beautiful warriors in championing the kingdom of God. And then I also have a new release that came out in 2022 called Upcycled Crafted for a Purpose, and that one centers on how when we feel worn and broken and chippy and less than and maybe even as a piece of junk or outcast, God can upcycle us the way we take old vintage. Vintage items that we may see as junk otherwise. And he makes us more beautiful and more purposeful than ever before. And that book includes crafts and places to donate those crafts so that you can take each message in a chapter and you can work through it in the craft together with others if you do it as a group study, and then maybe even donate that to other people who need to hear that message of worth and renewal.
0: And you've got a podcast. So tell us a little bit about your podcast. My podcast is called Flourishment, and that's M-E-A-N-T.
1: It's all interviews with experts and people with inspiring testimonies, how to live the life God has meant for you and flourish in it. And I have a five-minute radio spot on Christian Mix 106 that's called Flourish Today, and that's all based on mental health tips, parenting tips, and
0: relationship tips. Oh, my goodness. See, I told y'all. Y'all, just so you know, I'm going to have all of Tina's information over on the show notes and at ConnieAlbers.com. So you can easily go over there and click on where to find Tina and make sure you get her book. She is a wealth of knowledge. She has a heart for the Lord and for your family to not just survive. I mean, who wants to survive? She wants you to thrive in the Lord and as a family, and that in today's society, your families can be strong. They can be close. They can honor and glorify the Lord, and your families do not have to be pulled apart and broken and fractured, and if something does happen, a life situation happens— a rebellion, a disagreement, they can all be brought back together when we focus on the Lord and the relationship that you have with the people that God's given you in your home. So all of that will be over at ConnieAlbers.com. And Tina, I am just honored that you were able to take the time to be on the Equipped to Be podcast with us and share with our listeners who you are, what you're doing. Do you have any new projects? I mean, I hate to say that because it's like, well, you've got a radio show and you've got these books and you've got a podcast it's like, well, come on, what else do you have? So I don't mean it that way, but you probably still have something else that maybe God is putting on your heart that you would love to share. Are there any projects on the horizon? Well, I'm always interested in
1: new speaking or life coaching opportunities, but I am also working on another project. I'm on the marketing team for Struck, the streaming series. It'll be a film quality streaming television series like The Chosen, and it'll have eight episodes in each season. And we're working to gather together Lightning Club members. Sue Ellen Roberts is the executive producer. We'll have um, Cameron. Cameron Arnett is one of the actors that's playing, if you're familiar with him. So it's going to be a million and a half dollars per episode. It's a big, high-quality production. I'm not on the production side, but I am on the marketing team. But I do want to direct people to strucktheseries.com so that they can get in on the first news about that series for their families. It'll be about the story of Noah combined with the story of Dr. John D. Morris, who took 13 expeditions to Mount rat to look for the Ark. Wow. So it'll be a really fun dramatization of both of those stories woven together.
0: Okay, now I may have missed it, but when is the release date on that? Is there one yet? We're still working on getting
1: distribution and starting production. We've filmed a few scenes and we've filmed the trailers so that people can go onto the website and see those trailers there. But we do not have all of the episodes produced yet. So you won't have a production you know, finalization date for the release yet.
0: Well, I'll list that also in the show notes. And again, Tina, thank you for coming on the program and joining us today. And it means a lot to us, folks. Make sure you go over and follow Tina. All these things will be there. You can Google her as well and learn even more. But friends, just remember God is a God of hope, and God has not taken us through this journey to leave us. And forsake us, that He is our refuge. He is our hope in times of trial and struggle, and He is our comfort. So do not be discouraged. Do not be dismayed. God is still on the throne, and He's still very much at work. And so, Tina, thank you so much. Listeners, make sure you tune in next week to Equip to Be, and we'll see you then. Well, that wraps up this episode of Equip to Be. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with a friend or family member And hit subscribe so you don't miss a show. And thank you again for joining me. Remember that we are equipped for every season of life.